Hello and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light to your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm your host, Keandra. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach and I'm a survivor of an eating disorder. And this podcast is all about things that I wish I'd have known in my own journey. So, Firstly, I want to say thank you so much for everyone who has got in touch um, in recent episodes and left your feedback. I am overjoyed that it's been able to help some of you learn things that maybe you didn't know about or take that step in your recovery journey. It is so wonderful and empowering to hear. So a big, massive well done to all of you who have been challenging your eating disorder and getting it in touch. I also am so, so excited that so many of you have applied for my one-on-one coaching spots that are coming up in November. I literally only have one space left, which is remarkable given I, I only launched them a couple of days ago. So if you are interested in applying for that last spot or getting on the wait list again, please make sure to check out the links in the show notes and I would love the opportunity to speak with you on a free discovery call. With all that being said, um, today's episode is going to be a highly requested one and it's five tips of how to cope with weight restoration in eating disorder recovery. Now weight restoration is kind of that elephant in the room when healing from a restrictive eating disorder or other types of eating disorder. So weight loss that can occur and I'm saying can because it doesn't occur for for all eating disorders nor does it have to for your eating disorder to be valid but is you know a testament to the incredible capacity that our bodies, you know, to survive starvation. However, as anyone in recovery from an eating disorder can, you know, attest, bodies that are below their natural weight are definitely not thriving. And once this potential weight loss happens, the prospect of any weight gain, even necessary weight restoration becomes so scary that it causes so many people to delay getting life-saving treatment. The eating disorder makes it so, so scary to take those steps to actually get your body to a place which is healthy uh, for it and so it can thrive. Because ultimately, I always think, and I always say this to clients, is weight gain is only weight that you were never meant to lose in the first place. So if you think of it that way, weight gain can start to be less scary. You kind of reframe the way that weight gain is because it's not weight gain. You're restoring health. You're restoring back to where you should be in the first place. And I want this purpose of this episode to help prepare you to face that elephant in the room that is weight restoration if you need to go on that journey. When you know what to expect Facing weight restoration becomes a little less scary. I can't fully eradicate, you know, the possibilities that it will be still scary, but I hope I can help in some way. And while this podcast specifically addresses weight restoration and recovery from a restrictive eating disorder that has resulted in weight loss, please know that an eating disorder and malnutrition can occur in people of all shapes and sizes and not all eating disorder behaviors result in weight loss. Remember only 4% of those with an eating disorder are diagnosed clinically underweight which is a very small population and if you've been struggling with disordered eating or suspect you may have an eating disorder please seek help to a team of treatment. You know it is never too early to start your recovery and so somebody can help you on that journey to repair your body and your mind. 
So first and foremost, let's think why you actually have to gain weight in recovery. So a body that has been deprived of nutrients um, becomes malnourished no matter what the number on the scale reads. So you could be malnourished in a larger body. You don't actually have to be underweight on the BMI scale to be malnourished. And when you're in this restricted state, this undernourished state, the body often redirects all of that energy from non-essential functions. So, so your temperature regulation and hair and nail quality, optimal digestion, you know, periods if you're a, a female, um, other essential things to keep your organs working, to keep your heart pumping, to keep you alive. And this becomes very, very dangerous very quickly and your body will need more fuel to be able to repair itself. And you We know that medical complications of restriction aside, our brains undergo so many changes. So, you know, we can think of any food of what food is good and what food is bad and what we can control. And, you know, the real work of recovery can't even begin until your body doesn't have the energy to function properly and your brain can't do much of anything other than obsess with the food you're eating because obviously its primal function is getting you to a place where it is working and your brain can start the cognitively processing things. As discussed in the last episode, our bodies do have a kind of like a natural resting place of sorts, so a set point range where it can work its best and it's a weight that you can maintain long term while meeting your body's nutritional needs and it's not hard to maintain. You know, it's a place of freedom from your eating disorder and that is why weight restoration is so, so important. It's because it's not just about, you know, the functions of your body, but your mind will be working better. You will be able to thrive. Obviously, (laughs) this all comes with challenges. So this is some of the challenges of weight gain. And I get it. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. It was so hard. And, you know, I delayed it for many years. And I wish, I honestly, and I say this so many times to clients, I wish I'd have done it sooner because the freedom that comes once you've done it is like, you know, unsurmountable. It's incredible. So I think firstly, The physical discomfort is often really hard when you have to restore weight because increasing the amount of food you're eating can be really, really physically uncomfortable. Um, And very common physical symptoms um, include nausea, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, you know, feeling really full after only a few bits of food at the start. You know, it's really normal to experience this in the early stages of recovery as you're kind of responding to increased food. But working with a coach, a nutritionist, a dietitian can help manage these symptoms. So remember that a team can be really, really important. But sometimes the meal plan is the best medicine in this case because food unfortunately at the start is kind of the most important thing is that food focused approach and then you can look at other areas of what recovery involves and the more energy your body has the more quickly it can repair digestive processes and physical health and that's why if you have extreme hunger it's about honoring that because the body is doing that to protect you and I understand you're likely to experience anxiety and guilt and shame and you know, it sometimes often, well, sometimes and definitely often manifests in physical experience. So nausea, discomfort, you know, these anxiety symptoms and these experiences are real. You know, I get it. And it's so hard, but know that that doesn't last forever. And you need to work through these emotions and symptoms with loved ones, family, treatment team, therapist, coach, whoever you can to really try and manage that change. 
as much as there's physical, you know, issues, there's also bodily changes because when your body is starting to eat more food, you know, that it becomes more rehydrated and renourished. And, you know, for most people, there is like fluid accumulation around your face, arms, legs, or the recovery tummy, because much of it is there to protect you. It's protecting vital, you know, vital organs. So, this is normal and your weight will redistribute itself later in a way that's normal for your body. You know, it won't be straight away, but if you fully nourish your body, you'll find that your weight does redistribute in a place that is right for you, but it won't be automatic because its primal reason is to keep you safe. But I think alongside body image is, you know, body dysmorphia and negative body image because of how your body is changing. And it can be rapidly, you know, weight restoration can happen quickly over a few weeks or months and your brain hasn't caught up. It can create so much confusion and body dysmorphia. And I've talked a lot about body image and body dysmorphia, but the thing is don't give up at the first hurdle because you will get used to your recovery body. And after you get used to it, you can learn to accept it you may even love it, but you don't have to. You can just start to appreciate what your body can do for you in its healthiest state. You might be able to have dance the night away, go on holiday, be with friends, family, and appreciate and remain present in these moments of your life. And I think lastly, the challenge is the loss of identity. I know for me, when I was deep in my eating disorder, my weight and my the way I thought I looked was my identity and I built my whole life around it. There was literally no room for anything else. I was like in a relationship, like a an abusive relationship with my eating disorder. That's how it was. You know, it treated me badly, but I still wanted it. And I think once I started recovery and my body changed, I felt like my identity had shifted. It's like I no longer saw the same person. But the beautiful thing about recovery was and is for other people is without your disorder, the eating disorder, or, you know, your struggles controlling your life, you can be anything and anyone you want to be. You are you are in control of your life and you can do anything you want with it, not eating disorder. So that being said, I know it's really, really hard and I have empathy for anyone going through it. I will never, you know, say that it's just way, you know, there's no need to be scared, but it's scary. It's a really, really scary thing to go through, but it doesn't mean it is not possible. And I think the first thing that I'm going to talk through, I want to talk through five tips of how to actually cope with weight restoration. Because I don't think it should be called weight gain because you're restoring weight. You know, you're not gaining weight, you're gaining life, but you're restoring weight. And I think the first thing is it's recognizing that your body will change for real recovery to happen, you can't go on believing that your body will never change or it will stop changing at any one point. You you don't have to love the idea of weight gain, but you have to live with it. I think that's obviously really, really hard to do, but I'm going to explain how you live with it in the next tip. I think the next thing is don't expect your body, your, your ideal body weight to stay at one place because reliance on that flawed you know predictive equation set you know like a set weight range that maybe a treatment team has given to you or the ideal BMI or can mean that you hold on to a specific number especially you know one that actually is too low for full recovery you know weight is such a individual thing one weight can be right for somebody else it might be too low for somebody else you know it might not be 
you know, it might not be the weight that you can actually thrive. And I think holding on to that specific number causes many, many people to engage in restrictive behaviors just to stay at that weight. Instead of making that specific number your goal, please focus on recovery-related goals like eating intuitively or decreased anxiety about food choices or reducing body checking or the need for compulsive exercise. It's like, let's focus on the holistic parts of recovery rather than a weight to get to because that weight might not be right for you. I think the third tip is get rid of aspirational clothing and it comes with something else. It's like, it's highly, highly recommended that you get rid of all your quote unquote sick clothes. You know, it helps to remove that sense of nostalgia about your sick body and that identity by comparing yourself to old clothes. So as you begin the, you know, the the weight restoration process, you don't want to hold on to something that you will not be in the future. Donate, throw out or trade your clothes that don't fit comfortably. You know, as long as those clothes are hanging in your wardrobe or your closet, whatever you like to call it, your eating disorder thoughts will persist. So some people like to dress up or make themselves feel better in their new body, but others might like to wear loose clothing so you don't have to experience the feel of tight clothing on their skin. I know for me, I did a mix. Some days I felt really good and I wanted to wear dresses and things that I felt, you know, most alive. But other days I just wanted to hide in a, a hoodie and a jogger and that's okay. If you're in a place where you can handle it, you can make a new wardrobe process fun. Go out with one of your support network, find clothing and accessories and colors that you like, but try to remember that sizes on clothing really, really widely vary by brand. And I know I saw a post um, by Alex Light, so she's a lovely influencer who posts all about body positive content, you know, showed a post about the same size jeans being so widely different from different stores because brands are all different. So it's remembering that. And after letting go of all of those clothes, buying, you know, and buying new ones, plan something soothing to do in case of like high anxiety or panic you know, use your coping skills, call a friend to distract yourself or talk through your feelings with somebody you really trust. It's a hard process, but also a really exciting one. I know I love absolutely nothing more than buying new clothes and having the excuse to do it was great. And I worked with my parents on this. It was like one of my, I suppose, you know, one of the amazing things for me was like, they said they would buy me a couple of new items of clothing. I mean, I was young, so my parents bought my clothes back then, which (laughs) I wish, I wish. Uh, But it was a real, real kind of something that I could get excited about, you know, a goal to work towards. I think tip number four is develop other aspects of yourself that don't involve appearance. In the process of recovery, you must rediscover yourself, you know, moving away from that sick identity because there is so much more to you than the size and the shape of your body. You know, this can be an empowering and liberating experience as you get to find out who you really are underneath your eating disorder. So develop an evolving identity grounded in your true values. So it can be a really, really terrifying experience because it means facing a raw emotions and a real uncertainty of what your body and life will look like without your eating disorder. Again, echoing that, you know, that abusive relationship is like, who will you be without it? And there's probably going to be nostalgia because of that illusion of control and certainty and distraction, but it doesn't mean that it is good for you. And it's normal and expected to feel these feelings in recovery, but knowing what you like, what lights a fire in your brain with intrigue, 
you know, what makes you laugh, who your people are and what fun feels like for you to help you cope can keep you walking towards full recovery. You know, this is an adventure of curiosity, of self-discovery, and I want you to lean into it, make time to pursue fun, pleasurable and connection you know, driven activities, even when you're suffering. And actually, especially when you're suffering, because get yourself out there, do the things you love, because there is nothing worse than sitting in your pain. I think finally, tip five, it's one that I think we often forget is remember why you decided to recover, why you started this process and make a list of all the reasons that set you kind of forward on your path towards recovery you can refer back to this list in the moment of like body image distress or real fear and anxiety to help ground you in those values that matter most in your life. Within this, like, I suppose, seemingly simple list, you can look deeper to find your true meaning and purpose, you know, I think which solidifies your, like, your efforts to care for yourself. And I think apart, apart from that as well is the, you know, the respect for your body you know, actually appreciating your body for everything it does rather than how it looks. And again, that's kind of like a bonus tip there is your your body is not just about the way it looks. It's about what it can do. It's your vessel for your soul, a vehicle that allows you to do all the things that matter to you, which goes back to why you decided to recover. You know, for example, if you want to recover so you can have fun with your friends again, It is true that connecting with people that you love is so important for you. And I believe that connection and quality relationships is a key driver for quality life. And I bet you do too, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. But by walking away from your eating sort of behaviours, you are healing the relationship with yourself. And so open the door to having fulfilling relationships with others. Your eating disorder does not need to be your primary relationship anymore. You do not need to be in an abusive relationship with your eating disorder anymore. And I think finally, to end the episode, it's like, you can do these hard things. You can do the stuff. Recovering from an eating disorder is probably the most hard thing you will ever do in your life, but it is worth it. You have what it takes to keep going. And I mean that. You matter so much in this world. And I want you to know there is a bright, meaningful, fulfilling, wonderfully imperfect life outside of your eating disorder, in your body, that is its true healthiest self. And here's the reality. You can always go back to your eating disorder. It's not going to go away. You can always go back to the abusive person. But I hope with all my heart until the end of time that you do not. But remember, you can. It's never, you know, it's something that you can try. Try weight restoration. Try recovery. No, your body is yours and no one else's and you must decide for yourself what is right for you. So for now, I'll leave you with it. Experimenting with that acceptance is transformational. You know, what if it lasts? What if recovery lasts? You could reclaim your brain space, your energy, your time, your joy, your life, your passions, your purpose. I want that so much for you and I know it is possible. I've kind of been there, gone that, got the t-shirt and I'm not putting myself on a pedestal here. Life's still hard, but life's better and it will be for you. So trust the process, be curious. Your body has your side. So I hope this this was useful for you. 
and that you found some, you know, valid tips that could help you on your weight restoration journey. But remember, even if you are not clinically underweight or you are never underweight, you might still need to restore weight because you might not be at your body set point. So don't ever feel less valid. Eating disorders come in all shapes and sizes and I want you to feel respected and heard and feel valid in this space because you always are. So thank you so much for listening. As mentioned, if you are interested in one-on-one coaching with me, we can work on all of that and more. So just look at the show notes for the application process and you can nab my last spot or get on the waiting list again. And I think lastly, if you do have time to leave a review or rate it in any way, I would so, so appreciate it. Um, you will make this show worth it and keep me doing what I'm doing. So thank you again. And I will speak to you in my next episode. Bye.